0: You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before it's last call. Brad Ford is the poet, farmer, winemaker of the Pacific Northwest. He's innovating by looking back into the history of wine, he built his own kiln, makes his own M4. His wines get delivered to Portland by a canoe. Here we go. Okay, so I'm sitting here with Brad Ford. He's the winemaker at Illahee. Oregon. He joins Hi, John. me today. Hello. How you doing? Good. Good. Joins me to talk about the, the old school secrets at the winery and why these wines are so great. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's a nice <laughs> thing to start with. Yeah, totally. Well, we were, we were just talking about what in the warm up about the the plagues, the the frogs, the floods, right. the fires, the, the riots, the locusts. So let's <laughs> let's talk about something great. Your your wines. Um So you're here to show off your new AVA, no doubt. So. Right, right. Speaking of the Bible, it's Mount Pisgah, Mount Pisgah, which apparently
1: uh, Moses was on top of or near at some point when he looked into the Holy Land
0: and and Is went Mount Pisgah. So uh, I'm never going to make it down there. Too bad. Yeah, I know. Wah, well, wah. I, I love. Uh, I lo- it almost sounds like a, the uh, mandatory sobriety test you get pulled over in Oregon. You have to. What's the name of this one? Elihi Mount Pisgah. <laughs> right. uh, all right, sir, get out of the car. This is <laughs> this is just silly. Hmm, uh, I can also smell yeah. the Mount Pisgah uh, on your breath. My, my <laughs> 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 That's good. I love that. Uh, but one of my favorite Moses jokes is: uh, Could you imagine if Moses just came down the mountain and he just had ten suggestions? <laughs> I got some ideas, guys. (laughs) What do you think? What do you think about killing? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, so just so people know, an AVA is uh, a viticulture area that gets approved because it's unique. Uh, so right, what makes right. this unique? Uh, Mount Pisgah is an underwater volcano,
1: or it was a seafloor volcano, I mm. guess is what you would say. Mm-hmm. Therefore, underwater. Fine. And uh, 65 million years ago into the Cretaceous period, this little volcano uh, bubbled up mm-hmm. under the sea. And then over the last 65 million years, it has... Uh, Gone up, risen above uh, into the sunlight, and
0: now we grow grapes there. But the soils must be just different enough where they go, well, no, this needs its own AVA. Well, that's right. The beauty of it is it's a seafloor
1: volcano, and then over the next few million years, Mm. uh, marine sediment came down on top of it. So it's marine sedimentary soil on top of volcanic soil. Mm. There's a little bit of exposed volcanic rock, but most of it is the parent soil underneath the Growing soil that's there right now.
0: Ah. Um, so I I know you have, we're going to get into your background a little bit. Uh, I, I think you're like the Wendell Berry of Oregon. Oh, what uh, a compliment. I, I know. His uh, poet uh, manifesto, uh, the Mad Liberation Front, Farmer Liberation Front, he says, everything, you want to do something every day that won't compute. Mm, I um, like it. And, when I th- and that's why I draw parallels to you, not only you because you did but- poetry and you were a poet, but... A published poet as well, by the uh, way. Yeah, sure. We'll say that. Okay. <laughs> Not by a big publishing house or anything. So you're your published, but um, give us the short story of how you go from, uh, you know, writing poetry and craft to the, the winemaking business. Well, really, it was thanks
1: to my dad that that whole transition happened, mm-hmm. and he bought a beautiful vineyard on the slopes of Mount Pisgah, right next to Freedom Hill Vineyard. Oh yeah, which sure, is famous the more famous vineyard Mm -hmm. in the area. And he wanted to start a winery after he retired. So he retired when he was 52, and I'm 51 now. I'm hoping to retire next year. But if I don't, (laughs) I'll keep making wine, which will be very fun. It's a a great job. And he got into it, and I was writing grants and teaching poetry. Mm -hmm. And it just seemed like a wonderful opportunity There's nothing wrong with teaching poetry. That was very fun. But writing grants eventually, you sort of figure out how it works. And it's not to to me, it wasn't a great life path that I wanted to be on forever. So Oregon was growing, and everyone is excited about the wine industry in the 2000s. And I jumped into it with my dad. First vintage? 2004 was the first vintage I made wine, and Mm -hmm. then six was our first commercial vintage.
0: Self-taught, or did you Uh, work with other uh, winemakers? My
1: biggest influence is Russ Rainey at Evesham Wood, Oregon's first organic winery. Love those wines. And I worked at Domaine Serene and Joe Dobbs Winery before that, but got into it pretty quickly after taking winemaking classes and chemistry and organic chemistry and Mm -hmm. biochemistry. And then I felt that's enough chemistry, start to make wine. Mm -hmm.
0: So we can do a a little bit of a a dive into why these wines are so special. I just had Alice firing on. uh, Right, right. I listened to that. uh, And and I love your comment. She came to see you and you want to tell that? (laughs) Well, she didn't come to see me. I (laughs) went to see her, but uh,
1: we were to bring our wines and then present them to Alice and see what she thought of them. And... We make a wine that we don't use any electricity on it. The grapes are brought up to the winery with horses, and we de-stem with a bicycle-powered destemmer. We pump the wine with a bicycle-powered pump. We <laughs> do pigeage on the couves, and um, then we hand cork it. You know? So it, it, we use a hand corker with a lever. And I told her, well, I made this wine without using electricity, Thinking she may be somewhat interested in sure. that story, and uh, she just looked at me and and said, "Don't you have anything better to do?" <laughs> and
0: that's my experience yeah. with Alice. Write Byron. poetry? Who's actually? She's a writer and wrote poetry, and I've read her books, right? Yes. and a, and a playwright. So you'd think she would just be applauding that, but the, well, maybe she didn't have enough time. Yeah, who knows? Uh, um, who knows? But that's that's uh, interesting because Alice and I had a very long conversation about just wine. Does have an energy to it? There's a kind of spiritual mysticism, I suppose, alchemy, whatever you'd want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. when you first taste the wines from Ilahi, when I first tried them, I, I was like, wow, these are these are really special. I couldn't quite figure how. Um, you were in uh, the T. Edward office with me, and we were tasting. Uh, I said, "Your bone Bon Sauvage, which is one of your pinots, and I had a Savigny Le Bon open. I said, these are so similar in that there's this really kind of old-world kind of earth uh terroir that just speaks, uh, that's very similar to Burgundy. I thought it was very cool.
1: That's a great compliment, too. And it's really nice to, I think uh, just complexity is what it comes down to for me. The straightforward wines, the wines that smell like one thing, Mm -hmm. thing number one, thing number two, thing number three, those are less interesting than a wine that you can't, there's some magic in it, like
0: you said. There's some soul to it.
1: And yeah, that's what we're going for Or personality
0: yeah and, and all the wines have it and that says it speaks highly to what you do in your hand but and one of the things that makes these wines so great is what you just talked about this electricity and your two horses that right, uh, right. will be drinking a Percheron block which I think Doc and Bea are the horses Doc and Bea yeah, 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 sorry yeah. B named after
1: uh, I guess they were in Gunsmoke I wasn't around <laughs> at that time oh shit I was but. that makes me sad <laughs> <laughs> was a Gunsmoke guy. it Gunsmoke? Yeah, there was uh, Uncle Doc Festus and, and Doc. And right, right. So they were okay. named after Gunsmoke characters. Yeah. But they are big 16-hand draft horses. And we worked with them for about 10 years until they, first of all, were starting to get old. Second of all, it was getting way too hard to find people to work with them. I had hoped when I started working with horses that I would be doing it often, mm-hmm. or a, right. that would be a big part of my year. And it turned out that it's very difficult. So now we work with a different
0: Teamster, and she has So tell us suffered. what the horses do for people listening, and I don't quite understand. I mean, I, I, we can guess, but tell us what uh, Doc and B do. Well, Doc and or B the are tired. Okay, retired. The, the new team. I didn't get invite to the party, by the way. But okay, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> What do you give a horse well, <laughs> <laughs> when I retire? <laughs> a gold watch. Of course. Gold. <laughs> you have to be able to activate it with your hoof.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they um they were the there are two main things that we do. We we don't plow with them or mm-hmm. cultivate with them. We mow the grass with them. Okay. And the main thing they do and we've given tours with them um, also when people show up at the winery, but the main thing they do is bring grapes up to the winery at harvest. Huh, because it's so, so
0: steep. That's why it's purposeful for a horse. Well, or, I mean,
1: it's it's more about the experience right. of having the horses there and the enjoyment that it gives people to see. There, there's no way to have the horses in the vineyard without people taking pictures. Ah, oh, right. I mean, I took a picture of the studio, which is beautiful, <laughs> yeah. but the
0: horses are... Are also very beautiful. Got yeah, to be majestic, and particularly in the in the hills and the and um. So uh, let's drink some of this, and we'll oh, talk sure, about sure. this uh, as well. So me. we have it. You can reach that. Uh, cheers, the Percheron. This is so. Here's to yeah. dock and here's B. to Doc and B. And the New suffix. Mm-hmm. Amos and Katie. What's that? Oh, the new Amos, Amos ones. and Katie. Oh, Amos yeah. and Katie named
1: yeah. after. Well, see, I don't know that. Oh. I mean, I called them Amos and Andy at the first,
0: but uh, that was clearly not what was going on. Right.
1: Okay. It was Katie.
0: So <laughs> okay. Okay, it's Amos uh, and Katie. Yeah, don't, don't get those horse fucking pronouns wrong, man. No, You're, no. Don't, you don't gotta, need that shit. You don't want to get stomped uh, by those no, guys. No, Uh so, so they do the mowing. They bring the grapes. So what inspires you? This is the Wendell Berry thing, the farming, laying in a mm-hmm. field kind of moment. Mm-hmm. What inspires you to do things like build your pump? Or use a bicycle pump to do pump overs. And what's the inspiration behind that?
1: That is a great question. And I think it comes down to just wanting to do something fun Mm -hmm. and different and interesting. I mean, there is no reason not to simply farm grapes and make wine. That's already a fascinating thing to be doing. Agreed, yeah. Compared to writing grants, let's say. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Writing grants is fine, too. I'm I'm not trying to put down grant writing. I I just think uh, it's a wonderful life because you get to be outside. You get to taste wine. You get to work with people who also love that. And then you get to go to New York City every once in a while and experience it from the glass end of things. But even then, having some amount of creativity is really important to me, maybe as as an ex-poet. Trying to create something that wasn't there before is really important, and so these ideas come basically into a void that isn't there. Yeah, you you want to build something into some place,
0: some new place. And do you find you could feel it in the wine? Like, I mean, I, I said from day one, I tried these wines. I was like, wow, there's just something really beautiful about these wines. Um, some of that philosophy has to play into that. It's very hard
1: to draw a line from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. You know, you start at point A, and then you're going to point B, and here it is. It's in the glass. I mean, it's much more of, uh, boy, we're really lucky that all these crazy ideas we've had Mm -hmm. have made the wine better. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And, And it's good. I do like it. I mean, I've loved... We've had our wine in competition, not in competition, but uh, Dr. Lozen, you, you've heard of him? Ernie Lozen, yeah. Ernie Lozen. Sure, recently, he, yeah. Uh, he was with a crowd of people, and he said, uh, bring me a wine. Anybody can bring any wine from the table, and I'll tell you whether it was made in the old world or the new world. And he got everyone right. Let's just say he got 50 in a row correct. Okay. And then he came to ours, and he said old world. And it was
0: Illy Vineyards right, from the U.S. of A., so did you, did you jump up and down? You said, you know, no, I heard the story secondhand <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because okay. it was somebody else bringing it to him,
1: <laughs> yeah. and and he apparently he yelled and was quite angry about it. You know, he had a winning streak going. <sighs> yeah, well, he's probably an asshole. He
0: said, well, I, he said it was bullshit. He yeah, said, that's uh, bullshit. That's all marketing. That's what I thought because I was in Germany traveling for education, went to his winery. He was 45 minutes late, didn't seem to give a shit, no water, no food. And then I asked him, so where else am I here to educate myself? Where else should I go in the Mosul? Who else makes great wine? And he had his glass off, and he was polishing him He looked at me very quietly and said, no one. <laughs> and I said, wait a minute, no one? Like, no one. He goes, no one. <laughs> and I... <laughs> I don't know. That's an indicator of what an asshole, if I've ever heard one. I'm in the Mosul with his like, prune. I mean, all these amazing producers. And you're the only one. Okay. So I could see him standing up yelling bullshit. Healthy self-concept, right? (laughs) Actually, uh, oddly enough, the only thing you want to talk about was his Oregon Pinot that he was going to be making. Oh, I I don't Uh, know what that is. I don't either. I'm sure it's (laughs) out there. Maybe it failed miserably. Um, (laughs) But, uh, so... Uh, the horses. Let's go back to the no electricity. You build your own pump. You're building your the biggest wine press, the world's biggest press. So is this going? Like this? We're talking Guinness right now. Guinness records world or it depends how you measure it.
1: Okay, but it has a sixty foot long beam. Wow. And so it was made from a, about a hundred and forty year old tree. Uh-huh. So it's a very Oregon style press, right? Like the kind that they would have made if they were just sitting around. Right. Trying to get a lot of torque, wow, onto the grapes. So,
0: what inspired you to to create the world's biggest press? I guess it was I had
1: this really big tree right. that I had to get out of the way to plant oh, a vineyard, cool. and it was dying. Right, and I thought, well, that tree's not going to be around for too much longer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know how it exact. You know, I can't remember the exact moment where I thought that thing's going to be a wine press. But we probably needed a bigger wine press. Right. It
0: probably had something to do with some practical application. You seem to have this natural inclination to lean in on like uh, historic old winemaking techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, the, except that the i mean, the pump that you use. Uh, you use a bicycle pump. You said like, who else does that? I don't know. <laughs> I got a call, not a call, I got an
1: email from a winemaker in Italy saying, how do you, can you make me one of these bicycle pumps? Mm-hmm. And I, I wrote back and said, well, it, you know, here's a picture of it. Just buy a pump yeah. and put a chain on it. Because you connect it to a
0: bicycle. <laughs> yeah, and you will save yeah. a whole bunch of time and problems. But there again, there's, build build no, your own. Own. there's no electricity. Mm-hmm. This is, I mm-hmm. mean, like you do, the other really incredibly cool thing, you built a kiln. Right, we built a kiln, I think, in two thousand and ten,
1: to make amphoras. And you make your own amphoras. I mean, like, uh, we don't actually do it. You don't do it. You're going to do it. We're going to do. It. Okay. We're way too late on the amphora train. Right. You know.
0: But you will still use it as a vessel. Uh, at yeah, some point. Yeah, I'm very
1: excited about yeah. clay as a wine vessel yeah. because it's such a historical
0: method. And does the clay come from local? The clay will be local. Yeah. Yes, it's kind of cool. There's only one producer I know that does this, and it's uh, four kilos in Mallorca, and they t- use the indigenous clay to use them for it. And it makes total sense if you really think about it. It's you know it's right, right. there, and the, the grapes are grown right there. There seems to be a natural kind of symmetry, or um, mm-hmm. that would mm-hmm. that would make uh, total uh, total sense. Uh, but this is so. This is where you built, and then now we we'll get to the really cool part. One of the wines, the eighteen ninety nine eighteen ninety nine. Eighteen ninety nine. You actually deliver this to Portland via canoe. Right. We've been doing this <laughs> So uh, many people for seven are doing years. this. You're such a copycat.
1: <laughs> we just try to get the other people out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Well you know all the shipping problems <laughs> happening now. Oh my God. We're finally right. on top of it. Wow. <laughs> the canoe trip from independence, Oregon, which at one point was uh, lauding itself as the end of the Oregon Trail. Right. Uh, to Portland. Mm is about 96 miles, and it only takes three days.
0: And <laughs> T- we've brought up to 10 cases okay, on and, the canoe. And, I mean, that is just the best. And what what restaurant does it go to? Is there, like, it should be? It has not, um, it hasn't piqued anyone's interest That's as crazy. much as
1: we just enjoy doing it. Yeah. So it goes there, and uh, our distributor there even offered to bike it to a, maybe people think it's just marketing bullshit, yeah. but we do it. And it everyone loves it. People at the winery love making the trip. So in a way whatever however it ends up is not really the important part.
0: It's it's the journey. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, dude. Dude. <laughs> past that. <laughs> get <laughs> past the cannabis. Uh, I love it. it. It just makes so much sense. Uh, David Eggers has a new book out called The Ever, and it's a fiction book, but he talks about like in the future, uh, people will uh, will never leave their apartments, everything will be delivered to them, but they'll buy into this fact like, well, I'm not using any carbon. That's what's great about it. I'm just going to sit on my ass. Uh, this is the opposite. You're just like, I'm not going to use any carbon, but I'm going to put things on a canoe and, Use my horses. Uh. Yeah, the best possible life
1: is doing nothing and just <laughs> sitting where you are and having people bring you stuff. <laughs> just buy stuff that's and just give me stuff. Like and a then king. I will say, that's good, that's bad. Right. You know, that's the fun part yeah. <laughs> of the whole thing.
0: <laughs> but it, what's also very cool is you don't see a lot of uh, winers making white wine in Oregon. You do. I mean, Brooks makes Riesling. There are people making Pinot Long set, but you do a Gruner leaner. So tell us what makes these whites um, unique and, and why you, like, where's the Gruner from, that kind of things with the white wines. Because you have such a, a great array of wines that I want everybody to try. So we should talk about the whites for a minute. The Gruner has a wonderful story. And, you know, to
1: go back just one second and talk about mm-hmm. Oregon, yeah. Pinot is a train. It's a huge moving train. Mm. Even... Now, right, and so it's going to be a while before that thing slows down. But I love Bino, but I love white wine too. Right, and Gruner came to us through a Hungarian fighter pilot who flew for Hungary. Um, and then while he was doing that, the Russians came in with their tanks. I think it was December of '56. Mm -hmm. uh, Life magazine's got the Russian tanks rolling in. Yeah. Uh, wow. Oddly Still up to the same shit today. Like, yeah, they're doing it now. Yeah. So they went into Hungary with those guys, and he didn't want to fly for Hungary anymore because mm. he knew, now I'm going to be flying for the communist government right. instead of the land I love, Hungary. So he actually escaped to Austria with his wife. They walked across the border. They were threatened with being shot, and he told—I was— I heard all this story at the winery. He said, oh, yeah, and then they said, "Uh, I'm going to shoot you, and I told her, they won't shoot us, they're Hungarians. And they didn't shoot him. He walked over (laughs) into Austria, fell in love with Gruner there, and he brought this love of Gruner with him to Oregon. I don't know how he got to Oregon or what happened in between. Is there anyone else in Oregon making Gruner? Gruner... We, I think we have the biggest planting of right. Gruner in the state. Right. I could be wrong, mm-hmm. but no one's ever challenged this right. brash assumption. Yeah. <laughs> so we have an acre and a half of right. Gruner. Yeah, it has 15 okay. rows of Gruner. And um, no, it's not a huge thing. I think around 2008, there was this big Gruner resurgence. It became really popular. Yeah. And we sold out of it in you know, a month because it was suddenly really popular. And then in 2009, it wasn't popular anymore, so. It's too bad, yeah. but we have a very steady, um, a very steady consumer base right now for our Grüner, and so we've we've had these Grüner grapes for quite a while. I learned from David Schilknecht, who used to work for the Wine Advocate, that oh. I should try. He told me try acacia barrels because they use them quite a bit in Austria, mm-hmm. and that's been a beautiful addition to our Grüner program. Right. So we still you know, you get that little bit of mouthfeel from barrel aging and barrel fermentation Mm -hmm. and you get
0: you still get that beautiful grapefruit and white pepper and zinc. Which I love. That's what I love Gruner. Gruner. It's one of those varietals too, even like pretty inexpensive, kind of like New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. You kind of almost can't fuck it up, unless you put new oak on it. And then I right, will come at right. come at you personally. <laughs> I will hunt you down. <laughs> I won't do it. I will hunt I you down do and burn your winery to the ground. It's only in case. Yeah. <laughs> okay. John. Please, okay. spare us. <laughs> but then you make Viognier, which I we had the argument in the office. Not argument. I was saying like oh, right, you couldn't right. pay me to drink Condrieu, which is the where they grow to the northern Rhone. Yeah, it's, it's just the most flabby. Hated. It just, it's just just taking over Merlot is the most hated. Uh, varietal in the world. Well said, and it should be <laughs> particularly from the northern room. But again, I had yours in the office. Uh, it's not with, like that with uh, Bethany, and it was uh, It had acid. It had texture. It had this. It wasn't over the top like floral and banana like a lot of V&A can be. And I was like, well, this is really good. So once again, your your deft hand um, is uh, is showing. Do you have any plans to make sparkling, or what's the? We make a sparkling now that we call oh, okay. Capital Fizz,
1: okay, and or oh, I Cap like it. Fizz. oh. Ah. And it is a, this is kind of fun because I just listened to your Alice Firing podcast mm-hmm. yeah. when they were talking about injected force carb yeah. sparkling, and that's what it is. Uh, okay. So it's an injected force carb <laughs> sparkling made out of our wine and grapes that we probably wouldn't put into a very high level, mm. right? but it works well in this case. We put it in a 187 mil bottle. Oh, so, very cool. A handheld bottle of wine. Yeah. And it has 12% alcohol, and it uh, does its job. <laughs> it's a fun wine. Really. I, we're doing it for fun.
0: I have to come see you. I missed the last trip out there. Uh, I'll be out there soon as— You missed it. Um, yeah, as soon as uh, all the the biblical horrors are over. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> right, right, uh, the fires uh, of Portland yeah, yeah. that we we're, we were uh, also talking about. Uh, do you feel like Portland's coming back?
1: It, it's a giant tire fire, just like you we were talking uh, about. Yeah. Just, um It will definitely come back. I mean, it's It's one of the most interesting cities in the U.S. It's a very cool city. It's having a hard time right now. I've never heard people from Portland, and I'm from Salem, Hmm. which is the boring capital. (laughs) It's like the Albany of Oregon. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been to Albany, New York, but that's just my imagination. So I'm from Salem, and Portland, when I was a young kid, was not that interesting to anybody. It was hard to get people to move there. Right. They had the Blazers, which is still the best thing about Portland.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. The Trail Blazers. Yeah.
1: But, um, you know, when grunge started, it became cool. People started wanting uh, to see what was going on up here. Yeah. And from the 90s on, it's just grown and grown and grown. And everyone is really proud to be from there and happy and, and loving the city until about a year or two years yeah. ago. And now I'm hearing
0: complaints. It'll 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 come back. It definitely will. So, is there um, anything new that's on the forefront for you guys? Or I mean, you you seem so entrenched with just incredible wines that you're already doing, and um, you have a bunch of fun wines. To just going kind to of steer the steer the uh, canoe forward. We will steer the canoe forward. the
1: The press is an exciting idea. Mm-hmm. Um, we are constantly looking for new things, and if I knew exactly what was coming up, that would probably be. Somewhat uninteresting for the point True. at which it actually comes. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just working on the process of working on the wine in the vineyard is really important to mm-hmm. us. And we've experienced a big setback this year because we had a frost
0: again that right.
1: killed fifty percent of our uh, crop, as far as we can tell. So far. Burgundy
0: just got hit too. Chablis just got hit. They're talking fifty percent losses. Yeah, it's it's pretty devastating. Are we all just going to be drinking White Claw? What the hell is going on, <laughs> beer? Is that, <laughs> is, that, is that where we're going? I don't know. I would hate uh, to see oh Keystone Light being everywhere. Yeah, I know. But right. it probably will be. <laughs> no Milwaukee. one can afford anything else anyway. That's, that's right? true, the new pricing of, of wines going through the roof, and particularly out of France. Um, so very very cool. Uh, love the wines. I want, well, we'll talk about where to find these, but we're at the point of the show mm-hmm. where uh, mm-hmm. uh you know the horses are calling, and God is saying, "Thank you so much for, you know, being such a caretaker of my land, and I want to bless you with a gift. of You'll get your your last meal. Uh, you have a you you'll get a you'll know the day you're going to leave. You you get your last meal, your last beverage, and your last piece of music to listen to as you float off the mountain. So, what are you eating? <laughs> I'm I'm
1: really hoping that I'm feeling good at this point and not. Depressed or sad, then well, the I'm going press will be, be done
0: that's the, so the, the press, press is will be done, done. Okay, okay
1: the kids are grown up. <laughs> okay, everything's good, fine, good, good, okay, good. yeah now, I think um I would probably have a steak, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of steak, okay, and I'm not about to tell you that steak is the perfect pairing with pinot, because mm-hmm. it clearly isn't, <laughs> okay, <laughs> my favorite thing with pinot is duck, oh, okay, but I could see that um, yeah, I'd probably have a ribeye, you know, it'd be nice to have my mom make it for me, oh. I don't know if she could. You know, yeah, she'll no, probably she, be gone at that point. She's not yet, but she'll come
0: back. Maybe she'll come back. and. Come back I, and I, I, make th- I think me God a steak. knows a few people. He can pull some strings. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks, God. Yeah. So, mom's making me a steak. Um, my grandfather was a cattleman. Oh, okay. Or cattle person. Or All cow right. person. So, he, uh, you know, I grew up eating a lot of red meat, mm. and it hasn't killed me yet. Okay, good. And what are you drinking with this beautiful steak that your mother cooked? You know, I have this strong, I have the strong regret already by not picking one of my own wines, because I know I'm going to regret picking the 2005 Cro-Parentou oh. from Emmanuel Rouget, okay, which was the most. That was one of that was my best Burgundy experience right. tasting that from the barrel, and I haven't tasted it since it was in the barrel. Oh,
0: and so time to retaste that
1: it would be really fun to see what's happened. Okay. In the last few years. Even though years. you're drinking Pinot with steak. <laughs> no, no, I'm not drinking Pinot with steak. These, okay. No, no, okay. <laughs> no, you know, we need the,
0: we need the beverage s- you have
1: having with your steak. So this is a pairing uh, yeah. exercise. Yeah. Is that what That's you're what, saying? That's exactly what it is. Okay, well, I, I'm not having steak anymore. <laughs> okay, good. I'm right. sorry, Mom. So what's your last meal? Go back, yeah. Mom. <laughs> okay, so last meal is duck, then. Okay. With the crow parent two. Duck with the crow parent Okay. Yes. And then... Um, I've realized that the best song Mm. in the world. Wow. Nice. Is Fat Mama by Herbie Hancock. Okay. Off of the Fat Albert Rotunda album. Okay. I can never get enough of that song. Oh, okay. I think it's three minutes and 50 seconds. Just someone comes in right on time every time, and it's a happy song. It'd be a great send off. Okay. I love it. So, how do people find Ilahi? Oh yeah, Give us your people, Instagram, your website. People can order Illihi from there. You go. The internet, of course. Mm. T. Edward is now carrying Illihi Vineyards wine in New York, right which is wonderful. It is at least in some shops in Brooklyn and in the city and bunch in of restaurants too. Upstate yeah. and hopefully, uh, thanks to Bethany and the Hamptons soon oh, cool. enough. And what's your Instagram? Uh, I don't have an
0: Instagram. You don't have an Instagram. Illihi doesn't have an Instagram.
1: I actually do have an Instagram. I started it to advertise the press. Right.
0: Oh, but, that's uh,
1: smart. I couldn't
0: keep it going. Does the press have a name? The World's Biggest Press. The World's Biggest Press. It probably will have a name. TWBP would be your <laughs> the World's Biggest Press. Uh, I love it. Uh, Brad, thank you so much for being on. Thanks, John. Drinking on the Job. Uh, people listen to past episodes. Go to the website, drinkingonthejob.com. And what an amazing uh, gift. Go ahead. You have one more thing. Shoot. I would like to advertise our podcast
1: there you go Brad and Chris do a podcast from the perspective of a winery a like vineyard and it's called look at wine look
0: at wine okay look at wine go check it out thanks for coming on yeah. cheers
1: thanks John cheers Bye.
0: thanks again for listening don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com until then i'll see you at the bar